0: Russians haven't lost a single inch of territory. And the Ukrainians have lost hundreds, if not thousands of troops, dozens, if not hundreds of vehicles. And that's the way it's going to go from now on. Russia's not losing. Russia's winning. Russia's shutting down the Ukrainian power grid. 40% has been destroyed. We'll probably be close to 100% by the end of this month. Then it gets cold. Ukraine freezes to death. The will of the people to continue resistance collapses. You get political collapse. Meanwhile, Russia is grinding the Ukrainian military down. The Ukrainian military is going to lose heart. They've got no reserves left. They burned all the reserves in these suicidal attacks. The Russians are increasing their power. They win. Russia wins this conflict, hands down. That victory will become, uh, you know, it's not only assured right now, but it'll become apparent to everybody in the weeks and months to come. So Russia's winning.
1: Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. This is part two of my conversation with Scott Ritter. If you have not seen part one, please go back and see that first and you should be able to find that in on my channel listing on whatever platform that you're on. It's right before this one. I also want to tell you the time is now to build up your immune system if you have not done that yet or continue to build up your immune system. The Z-Stack now has another product in their line called the Z-Flu. And this year is going to be really brutal. So make sure you look into that, getting more Z-Stack or the Z-Flu to keep yourself from getting that as well. Be sure to use the current coupon that I have listed on my shop page at sarahwestall.com under shop. And also while you're there, look at the C60 as well because that is the best product in the world. It's been tested. There's thousands of studies now showing that, It is the best for reducing free radicals and the best, absolute best, for reducing inflammation. And as you know, inflammation is a source of most diseases and illnesses. So please look at that as well. And so you can find all those, again, at sarahwestall.com under shop. Now let's get into this really good part two with Scott Ritter.
0: China's doing badly? Again, whoever advises Joe Biden should be slapped in the face a couple times. You know, China held a, a, an Olympics, a Winter Olympics back in February, and we said, we're not going to attend. We're going to be the spoiled children. We're not going to attend. We're not playing the Chinese game. So we weren't there. You know who did show up? Vladimir Putin. And on February 4th, Vladimir Putin met with Xi Jinping, the Chinese president, and they signed a 5,000 plus word joint statement where they pretty much declared rules-based international order that underpins everything that Joe Biden believes in and does as president to be over, finished, to be replaced by what they call the law-based international order, a multipolarity approach led by Russia and China. Um, And that's the direction they're heading. Uh, they, They have, you know, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization is growing stronger by the minute. Wow. You know who just wanted to join? Our staunch NATO ally, Turkey. Is saying we want to be part of the SCO. Um, they, 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 you know, I already talked about BRICS and the expanding economic footprint there. Uh, China is doing quite well. I can't think of a single front where China's losing. Um, they're winning on all fronts. Their economy is adjusting to the post-pandemic realities uh, much better than we are. Uh, they're not committing. Um, you know, economic suicide by sanctioning Russian energy. In fact, they're exploiting the current situation by buying Russian energy at rock bottom prices. Uh, Russia still makes a profit, but China's saving a lot of money in the process. They're coming up with a new global reserve currency. I mean, what did the United States think? The Russians had $700 billion in a sovereign wealth fund that was stashed in various reserve banks around the world, as one does when you have. You know, a current, you know, global reserve currency. We stole it, stole it, straight up stole it. There's no legal justification for what we did. We stole it. And now the rest of the world says we will never hold dollars again. China's divesting itself from the dollar. They're working with the Indians, the Brazilians, everybody else, the Russians, to come up, Saudis, to come up with a, um, a, a new global reserve currency, either through a, a mechanism they call the currency basket, where different currencies are exchanged or to come up with a new global currency derived from this currency basket. China's doing that as we speak. So anybody who thinks that China's losing, not doing well, man, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like Americans are looking in the mirror and all that we see that's wrong with us, we just project onto the Chinese, we project on the Russians. We're the ones losing in Europe. We're the ones who have diminished our military capability by giving away everything we have. Artillery shells. I told you I was in the artillery. During Desert Storm, we fired 60,000 rounds for the entire conflict, 60,000 rounds. The Russians fire 60,000 rounds a day. To fight in that kind of war, large scale ground combat in Europe, um, you're going to need to be firing not the Russian level because they, that's just how they do business, but we'll need to respond with 10, 12, 15,000 rounds a day. Um, we produce 75,000 rounds a year. Now, I'm just a Marine. My math doesn't work too well. That's like less than a week's worth of uh, of ammo in, in any sustained conflict. We've been giving away all of our strategic reserves to the Ukrainians who are burning them up. They don't have any ammo left, and we got no ammo left to give them. We're desperately trying to let out contracts to new military industrial uh, companies here in the United States to see if they can produce these artillery shells, but we're not going to have them for some time yet. We've given up most of our HIMARS of the high uh, mobility artillery rocket system. We don't have too many rockets left. We don't have too many high Mars launchers left. We're giving them all away. There's nothing left to give the Ukrainians, and yet they're losing and they're demanding more. The you know the the Ukrainian currency, the hryvnia. I'm saying that wrong because I'm American and I'm allowed to mispronounce any foreign word I want to. Um, <laughs> it it you know. It, Right now the Germans have said we're not going to allow it to be exchanged. What does that mean? It means that the Ukrainians were printing money and the Ukrainian citizens were taking it into Germany or into the European Union and trading it for real money. Um, But that's not going to happen anymore. And the only solution to the despicable state of the Ukrainian economy is to print more money. But now that money is literally declared to be only worth the paper it's printed on. It has no value. No other currency will allow it to be exchanged. This is the end of the Ukrainian economy. They need $85 billion worth of uh, investment, direct investment, just to stay afloat. The best the European Union could do recently was a $5 billion grant. What, we're going to throw them another, what, $7 billion? They're far short. Nobody's coming up with it. It's the end for the Ukrainian economy. And when it collapses, there will be a domino effect into Europe. It's not Russia or China that's in a bad state of affairs. It's the United States and its allies.
1: When is that going to happen? Do you think? When do you think the collapse of Ukraine? How much longer?
0: Well, the Russians are going to shut down the um, the, the electrical grid, and uh, when that happens, it's it's over. Uh, how long I mean, I re-
1: you think that will be. I mean, is that are they in the process of doing that, or do you yeah? Think that- I
0: mean, the the world's in the process of disengaging from Ukraine right now. I mean, Israel won't sell them any weapons. Europe told them to pound sand on. And weaponry the you know, the Republicans are saying. If we win the election, we're not going to be throwing all this money away into Ukraine. Uh, the writing's on the wall. Um, I think we're, literally, it's October. I i think the uh, Zelensky government falls um, late November, early December.
1: Well, and that's probably why he's looking at the nuclear war option, because that is something they can do without spending all that money that he needs.
0: Yeah, he's asking the world to commit suicide, though. That's like me. Well, I know Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just it's the act of a desperate man.
1: Well, okay, but he's desperate. So, but are the
0: this is where
1: it gets scary because what are they hiding in Ukraine that Ukraine is so important?
0: Well, no, I mean, I think we know the answer to that. It's contained in Hunter Biden's life. Yeah, that's right. And what what I mean by that is is that we look you you can't have the Vice President of the United States fly to Ukraine, tell them to fire a a prosecutor and hold them hostage for a billion dollars. Okay, it, it, that doesn't work. You can't have um, a man with no qualifications, none whatsoever, zero, no qualifications other than his last name, serving on a energy board, Burisma, whose sole existence is to, is to serve as a vehicle of money laundering and, and, and influence and corruption. That's all Burisma does. You can go in and look at every single... A uh, Department of Defense official that touched Ukraine, every single State Department official that touched Ukraine, and you will find somewhere in their photo albums a photograph of them at a site somewhere in Ukraine wearing a Barisma jacket. They were all on the take. Everybody was on the take.
1: Well, we had we had a, a whistleblower, executive uh, level accounting whistleblower out of Burisma who was willing to talk, and she didn't. We didn't say whether it was male or female. We didn't say who it was. And they ultimately figured out who it was. Um, it's a long story, uh, but they figured out who it was. They came, she had two young children. They came, they sodomized her, left her for dead, took all her stuff. Um, the John uh, Dugan got her out. And there was a mercenary group that, not mercenaries, but a group. But yeah, I guess it was called a mercenary, got her out. They, she has asylum in Russia and she spent a long time in the Russian hospital. These guys did that right before the last election. I mean, these guys are hiding some big things over there to the point where they, they're scared. They'll do whatever they necessary, obviously, and there's so much support. It's not just Biden. It's, a, it's yeah. pretty deep and broad, yeah. and they're hiding something. So would they, in order to hide something, would they go as far when they don't have enough money and use nuclear weapons?
0: Well, it depends on who they are. Meaning, they would have to be in um, in a position where you know they had you know the ability to influence nuclear launch authorization. Now, if your name is Joe Biden and your son was at Burisma and you're <laughs> so, I mean, I, yeah, I'm worried.
1: Well, we don't know how compromised these the military is either, because we just watched them. I mean, all the things that they're doing, forcing their soldiers to still to get these jabs when we know it's it's really damaging to them and it's not helping them. So we know there's huge compromising just everywhere. Well, we know, yeah, do we have? Well, we know that ahead. Alexander
0: Vindman, um, you know, who was on the National Security Council and was sort of the uh, the the uh, facilitator of this whole impeachment nonsense, together with a CIA official uh, who. Uh, both of them were so pro-ukrainian that you have to wonder and they were so pro-biden i mean did the corruption you know leach into the national security council did it leach into um into the cia yes. um you know U- ukraine is is literally the most corrupt place on the planet and if you if you touched ukraine you were poisoned and um I, I think every I mean, for instance, the the diplomats, every ambassador we had over there, all the people who testified uh, in the in the impeachment hearings, they are all compromised. If you dig deep enough and you won't have to dig very far, you will find yeah. evidence right. of of compromise uh, from this you know from these Ukrainians. Uh, you know it, it, it's not just a modern day phenomena. you know we um, you know the 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 CIA backed. Stepan Bandera, a name that um, has been rattled around. He's long dead since uh, 1959, I think. Um, but you know, he—he's this Nazi, this this Ukrainian nationalist. He's not even Ukrainian. He's a Polish citizen because there wasn't yeah. Ukraine at the time. Mm-hmm. But he conspired. He worked with Adolf Hitler. His guys killed 40,000 Jews at Babi Yar in Kiev. Um, they slaughtered hundreds of thousands of Poles, hundreds of thousands of Russians. And the CIA backed this guy from 1945, although it was OSS back then, uh, to, till 1990 uh, when we stopped funding their operations in Ukraine. But we continued to support them in, you know, in exile. There's a diaspora of these people. Heck, just a few miles south of where I'm at, 60, 70 miles south, is a town called Ellenville, and in Ellenville, there's a park. It has five statues and a giant Ukrainian flag, and one of the statues is Stepan Bandera, the other four are other Nazis. And every summer, the Ukrainian-Americans hold, you know, giant gatherings there that conclude with torchlight parades with thugs wearing black and brown SS-style uniforms uh, worshiping this guy. Um, That shows you the level to which they've infiltrated, you know, American society, the American body politic, uh, Victoria Newland, who's a very influential person, deputy um, secretary of state. Uh, you know, she went to these camps as a child. Uh, it, it, Vindman uh, is part of this process. You know, where does it end? I mean, this is this is the kind of stuff that we, you know, this is what the FBI should be looking into. This is what the FBI was yes. was formed to do, not to go, you know, terrorize you know, parents for speaking up at PTA meetings and things of that nature. This is the kind of threat to the national security of the United States that warrants this kind of investigation. I mean, if we're going to rightfully take down the Ku Klux Klan, then we should take down the Stepan Bandera-worshipping, Azov, Nazi-worshipping Ukrainian-American groups here in the United States. They're the same hate-filled organizations, well, and that's what's infiltrated everywhere.
1: So we have some serious <laughs> serious issues. Now let's say the the Chinese that everybody turns against the United States. We're gonna lose in Ukraine. The only way that we can win is something very scary. That's why I'm I'm scared to see that the, the only some of the only ways out for these people that are backed against the wall could be something very detrimental for the world. But let's say that saner heads prevail and that nuclear war situation doesn't happen and ukraine falls europe's a mess united states really loses its dominance in the world what will life be like when china and russia rise because china i mean will they take revenge out on us Or will they come in and clean things up, which wouldn't be bad, as long as we could still have freedom and have our way of life? Or will the Chinese Communist Party come and rule like they do the Chinese Communist Party in China, and our way of life will end? That's what people are worried about, is the Chinese Communist Party coming to the United States and destroying our culture.
0: I'm not worried about that at all. First of all, the Chinese um, are big believers in sovereignty, big believers. And so that's why China hasn't jumped on board the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine bandwagon yet. I mean, they're not vetoing things, but they're not out there leading the cheers. Uh, they're working behind the scenes to help Russia uh, economically because they know looking at the threats made by the United States and NATO against them, that they're, but for the grace of God, go us. And they also know that some point in time, they may be called upon to uh, deal militarily with the Taiwan situation and uh, they'll need Russia's assistance at that point in time. But they—they they, uh, China doesn't want to take over the United States. Uh, first of all, China's purpose.
1: You think that's propaganda?
0: 100% propaganda. China's purpose is prosperous. And war is the antithesis of prosperity. Um, as any good businessman, China wants to dominate. Uh, they're very competitive. Um, I don't know why America gets irritated when somebody is a better capitalist than we are. Uh, We should just learn to be better capitalists than they are, Um, you know, but we're losing the competitive uh, battle because, frankly speaking, the problem isn't a threat from China to the American way of life. America is a threat to the American way of life. We have so many problems here at home that we have to resolve. We have crime rates that are out of control. We have drugs, you know, drug use that's out of control. We have infrastructure collapsing. We have I mean I don't want to get I don't want to get too controversial but you know I'll just put it this way we have to figure out you know what level of woke is uh, is acceptable to mainstream society sure. yeah. um, you know I I am not here to suppress or oppress the rights of anybody um, I'm not anti-gay I'm not anti-trans I'm not anti anything but I am pro America uh, which means that you know there are certain things that that um, are, are are carved in stone, and um, again, I'm I'm not going to go down that route. That's a rabbit hole that could get me in a lot of trouble. So, um, I'll avoid. You no,
1: know, the girl, the male, female, the thing. I mean, you're talking to an audience that is really having an issue with not identifying. I mean, I'm I was born a certain way, and so were you. And you know, it it, it's it, it just, is it's look crazy. if you want
0: to, if you as an individual, because I believe in individual rights. I took an oath. Sure,
1: freedom. Freedom. And I took an oath to
0: uphold sure. and I, I, I an to up home defend the Constitution, so I'm here to defend any individual. If you're gay and you want to live that lifestyle, I'll defend you. If you believe you're, you're a man and you believe you're a woman, I'll defend you. But what I won't do is stand by while... Again, I don't want to go down this, but children should not be... you got to be yeah. an adult. Exactly. Yeah, you, you, you got to be an adult to have that conversation. I don't believe in... Um, in, 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 in pushing this down to, to children. And I think it weakens the American social fabric. I think it creates a lot of problems. I believe the military should exist to defend this country, which means we're singularly focused on killing people, not being a social experiment where we mirror American society. We shouldn't mirror American society. We should be purely a killing machine that's turned on and off as it's we need terrible. it. Um, yeah. But America has to solve a whole host of issues.
1: Okay, well, let me ask you then. Okay, because you're talking about America with the whole host of issues. We, you know, we're in a lawsuit against Google because we're watching extreme censorship. To our First Amendment is at risk. Yeah. And many people believe it's the Chinese Communist Party behind it. You're saying that if we got under the hood, we're going to see that it's really the United, the people who have infiltrated United States government, the same people who are doing this in Ukraine, who are behind all the censorship?
0: Look, let's put it this way. Um, I've been banned from Twitter. And I was banned because I questioned the official narrative about um, what they call the Bucha Massacre, the the murder of civilians uh, in a suburb north of Kiev in late March, early April. I believe the Ukrainian security services did it. Uh, The official powers that be say that Russia did it. And so I've become a Russian apologist. And even though the facts all align with me, I, uh, at least the facts that I'm aware of and the fact, you know, I'm willing to debate it with anybody, but they don't want to have a debate. They don't want to have a discussion. They shut me down. They banned me. Who's they? It's unnamed, um, you know, censors s- uh, who work for Twitter. You say, OK, well, that's a private company. So, so grow up, Ritter. Uh, the First Amendment doesn't protect you. In- well, first of all, no social media has expanded to the point that even the the, the Supreme Court recognizes that there has to be a relook at the First Amendment um, as it relates to social media, that you can't have a platform that has become so important in communicating uh, ideas and thoughts and values in in the United States um, uh, subjected to, uh, you know, limitations of free speech. But, you know, but it isn't Twitter doing this. Twitter was called before the Congress and you had members of Congress basically threaten to shut Twitter down if they didn't conform to the ideals and values of this certain elite. It's not the Chinese pulling the strings, it's Congress pulling the strings, certain uh, power centers in Congress that's doing it. It's America doing it to themselves. We're self-censoring. We, you know, I'm the biggest proponent of debate, dialogue, and discussion you can come up with. Uh, if you have a different opinion than me, Bring it on. I'll be the most polite person in the world. I'll listen to your facts. And then I will politely put my facts on the table. Then we can discuss it. We can debate it. We can have a dialogue. And at the end, I may not agree with you, and you may not agree with me. But you know what we did in that process? Anybody listening to it was educated, was empowered. And that empowerment makes them a better citizen. That's what we should be encouraging. More free speech, not less. Leave it up to the American citizen, the individual, to decide what they want to believe, what they don't want to believe. Nobody gets to dictate a fact set to me. I get to determine on my own, and I may make a mistake. That's my right as an American citizen to be wrong. I have a right to be wrong, um, you know. And and yet they're shutting it all down. They want total conformity. It's not the Chinese that are asking for total conformity. It's it's the American Congress. It's the powers. It's the it's a political elite, the economic elite who are threatened by anybody challenging the status quo ante. You're not allowed to say, hey, wait a minute. Again, I don't wanna go down this rabbit hole, but wait a minute. I don't wanna get a vaccine that I'm not comfortable with. You haven't convinced me that I need this vaccine. And the longer I delay getting the vaccine, the more data comes out that shows me that it doesn't protect me from getting the disease, and it doesn't stop me from spreading the disease. So I have to ask the question, why are we doing this? You're not allowed to ask that question. The fact that I just brought it up, I hope doesn't cause censorship for this program, so I'll stop talking about it. But the point is, you know, we have a duty and responsibility as citizens to raise our hand and ask questions. And we have a duty to demand answers. Um, Since when, that's what the foundational notions behind free speech is. This free speech was designed by our founding fathers to empower us to question those whom we put in the higher office, not for them to silence us. It was designed so that we can critique them, not to empower them to critique us. Somehow we've flipped the script. We decide that free speech is only that which the elected powers decide, um, you know, it is. It's, It's Congress that's now dictating to social media companies what free speech is. You don't think I know what Russian propaganda is? You don't think that if I went on Facebook and I saw a poorly constructed ad, uh, that I would sit there and go, "What the heck is this?" Click off. Um, but you know, right now we have Congress believing that the American people are the dumbest people on the planet, idiots, savants who are incapable of working their way through, you know, competing, um, you know, sources of information, and therefore we must wipe the slate clean. And spoon feed them things. The next time I hear an elected re- official say that um, you know the, the 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 wild wild west of social media is bad for democracy, the second I hear that I realize they're the greatest threat to democracy because democracy is never threatened by more free speech. It's only threatened by less free speech.
1: Yes, that's right. And you know our lawsuit is um, contending that the government is is behind this. Uh, problem. They're the ones that are doing it. But a lot of people do believe that behind the government and these globalists that are trying to, you know, behind the United States government, there's a globalist faction that are trying to create this globalist, one world order, world economic forum. And they were wanting to move it to the East. And a lot of people think now that China and Russia said, screw you, globalists, we don't want anything to do with you. And now there's two factions on the world stage, fighting the world economic the globalists versus the
0: the East, Putin and China. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not. I'll be frank and just tell you that I'm familiar with all those arguments, but I'm an arms control guy. Um, I'm a I'm a Russian military guy, um, so I, I I couldn't take the uh, discussion beyond what you just said. I I you know I'm familiar with Davos. I'm familiar with the World Economic Forum. I'm also familiar with uh, what Russia and China have talked about in terms of creating a trans-Eurasian union, and that these are definitely competing uh, values. And I, I do think that we that there is a um, well, we see just the creation of the European Union alone is a um, you know is a transition away from you know national values. Uh, Italians stop being Italian, Germans stop being German, French stop being French. Um, and you become what European? What does that mean? Um, yeah. And you know, yeah. and, and so there, there is this tendency to you know globalize, uh, but it, it's it's done for pure economic greed, um, you know. And so basically, we we can we can wrap them any way we want. We can glorify. It, it comes down to greed, and that's why at the end of the day, I like. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, i probably get in trouble saying this. I like the Russian and Chinese approach. Why you would say Scott? Why would you ever like Chinese communism? Well, because the last time I talked, you talked to me about, anybody talked to me about the World Economic Forum, they were talking about a singularity. They were talking about a single you know, pole around which everything else gravitated, rotated, sort of like the United States views its role in the world. Everybody revolves around us. The Russians and the Chinese are saying, nope, we want, a, we want multiple poles. We want different centers of gravity, and they're willing to live with that. That sounds a little bit more democratic than anything we're talking about. That
1: sounds more like what the founders set up as the United States. And that's the way that you will have more peace and prosperity around the world if it really ends up being that way. And that's what I, you know, I keep trying to dig into this. I'm trying to figure it out um, because you're trying, we're trying to get past this propaganda and the Chinese Communist Party are not good people. And, but I do know there are good people there just like our government we have a lot of people who are not good people but I do know there's a lot of good people
0: here no I, yeah I, I I think anytime a government has too much power accumulated away from the will of the people there's going to be a problem so we see that with the Chinese Communist Party um, and you know we see that with the with with America today I mean you take a look at the Republican Party and the Democratic Party um, I mean, the biggest threat that Ronald, or not that Donald Trump posed to American democracy, isn't the way that everybody's selling. The biggest threat is actually return power to the people, um, <laughs> meaning that here's a man that took on the entire Republican establishment in 2015-16 through the primary process and wiped the slate with them. They just he, he destroyed them, and he appealed directly to, you know, a populist base, and that scared the heck out of everybody. It continues to scare people to this day because the establishment doesn't know what to do with with uh, people power.
1: That's what's going on now. There, It's a populist movement where people are coming together and saying, hey, we want our freedom, and yeah. you guys are crazy, and the populist movement is starting to come forward and say, your propaganda, no matter, even though we're bombarded with it nonstop, we don't believe your propaganda in Ukraine anymore, and we know you're lying to us. Yeah, of course, there's there's the brainwashable and the naive That'll go to, to anything that this narrative, you know, that the narrative, the government narrative says, those people really need to be, um, we need to do some work on helping them learn some critical thinking skills. But beyond that, the, anybody with critical thinking skills and with the, you know, that get they give an opportunity to hear other points of views, they start thinking differently. That's why it's so critical to hear other points of views. Because yeah, <laughs> we're in this situation, yeah, that's why we're in our lawsuit. I'm going to send you that stuff over so you can see it. Because maybe you can help us get the information out. We're trying to. We're in the. We just finished our oral arguments in the the Ninth Circuit. We're right before the Supreme Court, and we're well, the okay. leading case. It's pretty big. Yeah, we need more people to know about it. But we're so censored that you know we got to get more people out there knowing it. Because you're right aligned with what we're doing. But I just so much appreciate your other perspective. And I'm not so sure, because so much of the independent media is propaganda as well. And so I'm really trying to figure out what's going on with the East and the power base in the East and with Russia and China. And China has a lot of, their Communist Party is a scary thing. And if we can keep them in their role of just saying, we want our world, you can have yours. And, yeah, you know, they're going to want to expand and things, but they're not wanting to take over the world, then that's one thing. But if they want to take over the world, then this is a scary situation we're in.
0: No, it, it, but I, I would just remind people that China is a nation that has over a billion people. Yeah. Um, and and let's, let's look at it a couple ways. Over the last 15 years, they've had three consecutive five-year plans. That each one of which was tasked with thre- bringing 300 million people out of poverty into middle class status, and they've succeeded each time. 300 million people is, is, is roughly the population of the United States. So every five years, they elevated the equivalent of the American population to middle class status. That's their goal. That's their objective. They're 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 inwardly focused on doing this. Now, to do that is if you know anything about the economy, I don't. I'm actually pretty bad at it, but Middle-class status requires uh, certain salary ranges that come with certain um, economic activities that uh, require interface with the world. That's why China has the Belts and Roads Initiative. They're out there uh, building these supply chains to feed the industrial base that turns China into a producer and then an exporter. Um, and the more they can do that, the more they can build their their base. That sounds an awful lot like capitalism. It does, um, <laughs> But, but right then, now
1: we're not doing anything.
0: We're going, no, we, we're just, we suck. I, we're I, I don't mean serious. to use that word. No, but,
1: it's yeah. true. We're not serious about doing anything. But
0: when we look at the Chinese in terms of their social things, because uh, you know, they've got this big picture capitalism thing that, you know, it, most Americans go, yeah, I, I understand it. But then we take a look at social controls and that's where most Americans get nervous and rightfully so. But what I point out is that, you know, China is one bad harvest away from, you know, having a hundred million people die, um, and so the Chinese government has, you know, for the way China is organized and the, you know, due to their dense populations and and stuff, it, you know, they don't have the same foundation of uh, freedom and democracy they do. Every nation has its own history.
1: Well, and they, people think that because of, I hear a call, uh, feedback on your thing, okay, people think that because uh, of their lack of resources, that that's one of the reasons we want to take over our resources and our environment. That's the well, propaganda, maybe. I don't know, but that's what we're hearing.
0: But but, but that's what we do, too. I
1: that mean, it, it, we're do. in a
0: global competition for resources. Um, you know, we... we, we you know, ask yourself why we have relations with certain nations, uh, what makes it attractive. And it isn't that, uh, you know, they make us particular kind of brandy or whiskey. It's because they're probably sitting on, uh, you know, some exotic minerals or oil. Uh, why are we friends with the Saudis? Because we think they treat yeah. their women great? No, because they have a lot of oil. Um, and the Chinese are the same way. They they reach out and they, they gain access to, remember, what they're doing in Africa, I find to be appalling. They go in and they buy uh, agricultural land um, and buy it up from people who are impoverished and then they produce food not to help the uh, locals but to ship it off to feed China. Um, you know it, it, you know they, they do things like we do things. we exploit the world's resources for our own economic benefit. Um, but the Chinese I don't believe are in the business. what China needs to be honest, if, if, if Americans would just wake up, they need America to continue to be a consumer society. What makes China good? Grow. They they produce stuff that we buy. That's the relationship they want. Produce stuff that we buy, and we produce stuff that they buy. That's why uh, Midwestern farmers love the Chinese because the Chinese need to eat. They got a lot of mouths. They got a lot of empty stomachs. So we produce, we sell it to them, um, and there's supposed to be this symbiotic relationship. Um, but you know we. The Chinese are doing it better on the global stage than we are. We get a little angry about that. So we start to impose sanctions and things. And the next thing you know, it's spinning out of control. We're in a trade war. And now we're talking about a shooting war. Um, but it's not because China wants to invade America and impose itself. It's because China's out competing us on the global stage. Our best solution to deal with China is to be better at global competition than they are. And maybe if we got our act together at home, we could do that.
1: Well, we need to get our act together. Now, let's circle back to these globalists who are scary, and we don't know what they'll do to cover up their crimes in the Ukraine. Do you, and and what can the average person do to make sure that these very corrupted people, because we know that there's bioweapons labs, we know that they've been human trafficking in Ukraine. We know, I mean, every imaginable horror story is happening in Ukraine and that's their base of operations and they've corrupted our government. Now, if Ukraine falls, Russia is planning on exposing all that from what I understand. These people are desperate to cover it up. Where what do we need to do to make sure that that these people fall and the United the United States stays strong? A nuclear war doesn't happen, but yet we clean up and get these guys out of there.
0: Well, let's let's deal with the biolabs labs briefly. Um, there was a legitimate reason for us to be in the former Soviet Union. Uh, the Cooperative Threat Reduction uh, Program, uh, Non-Lugar. Uh, you know, the former Soviet Union had uh, vast quantities of weapons of mass destruction nuclear weapons, chemical weapons, biological weapons, and the ability to produce them that needed to be managed as uh, the the Soviet Union transitioned into the post-Soviet reality that it currently is. Um, But the United States can never do anything purely from a philanthropical standpoint. And, and, you know, we got our foot in the door and we, we proceeded to screw it up by getting greedy and everything. And that's what these biolabs are. These biolabs started out as a way of controlling the biological weapons facilities affiliated with the former Soviet programs. Um, one of the things that had to happen is we had to bring them under control, uh, but we also have to deal not just with the, the infrastructure, but the, the, the people. You had uh, you know thousands, tens of thousands of highly trained scientists who are now unemployed. And unemployable inside the former Soviet Union, and our fear was that they would take their skill set to other places and 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 disseminate uh, their deadly knowledge. So we needed to keep them employed. So we build these bio facilities as an employment vehicle, and then we have to give them work to do. Um, and that's where it got crazy because now we turn this over to a contractor relationship. What I mean by that is we have, you know. Even though it's run by, you know, the, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, which is a Department of Defense uh, activity used to be called the On-Site Inspection Agency back when I worked for it. Um, these guys, uh, they hire uh, civilian um, contractors like Raytheon and Hughes and, and Lockheed Martin and others uh, who uh, they, they let out these contracts. They say this is a program we want to do and people bid on it. And then these contractors go for But the contractors also, it's a symbiotic relationship. They come up with schemes as well, because everybody wants to make money. And, uh, you know, in, in, in Ukraine and other places, you had a cash cow. You had the ability to go to Congress and convince Congress that you should build a facility to do X, Y, and Z. And then Congress would allocate money to do that. Um, and one of the things that turned out to be easy, easily uh, replicated was the bio lab. That was that was a that was a, a business model that worked. So we these things proliferated everywhere. And the thing is, when you have bio labs, you have to give them work to do. And in the United States, we don't know how to comply with an international treaty. I'm ashamed of that fact. There isn't a treaty out there that we haven't violated. And we take the Biological uh, Toxin and Weapons Convention, and um, you know. Here at home, we violate it on a daily basis. Ask yourself why there was dried powder anthrax that appeared in an envelope in, uh, after 9-11 in the postal system. Where did it come from? From Dugway, Utah. Produced by who? By the U.S. government. Wait a minute. Aren't we prohibited from producing that? Not if it's produced in support of defensive biological research. Yeah. And so we, we and, but what we proved is just a little bit of an envelope becomes an offensive biological weapons program. So we do the same thing. I went to a training facility in uh, Anniston, uh, Alabama, uh, where we, you know, as a, as a hazmat guy, and we were trained on live VX and sarin nerve agent. Well, who, who produced the live agent? We produced it. Well, isn't that prohibited? Not if it's done for defensive purposes. So we, we bend the rules all the time. And because we're the Americans, we're not held accountable to any rules. We went to Ukraine, and next you know, we're we're doing crazy programs, crazy programs. It's an out of control program. The Russians have the proof. What can we do about this? What I would recommend we don't do is wait for Russia to um, to to win this war and then release this material in a way that benefits Russia. Um, we need to protect America, and we protect America not by denying wrongdoing, but by exposing wrongdoing. Every one of these contracts is a matter of public record. And the more Freedom of Information Act uh, requests we can put in there, every contract has a contract number. Every contract number has a contract document that's related to funding provided by the United States Congress. It's all a matter of public record. We need to start digging, we need to start collecting this, and we need to start electing the right people to Congress to hold hearings. Congress needs to hold a hearing on these biological weapons labs. Congress should be exposing the truth, not waiting for Russia to expose the truth. Congress should preempt the Russians because this is going to be damaging, but it's less damaging if we are telling the truth ourselves rather than standing by and denying the truth being told by somebody else.
1: But do we have the wherewithal to do that? Because I think our Congress is so compromised, very nervous that they're capable of doing anything like this.
0: Well, we have an election to clean
1: things up. Yeah, and hopefully the election makes a difference. Um, uh-huh. But if it doesn't, we you know we're in a long haul of trying to clean ourselves up here. Well, then we and, have the court, and it puts us at risk, right? It puts us at risk to be taken advantage of by other countries because we're so weak when we're fighting in well,
0: like this, we're weak. The other thing it does too is, I mean, half of our strength is your is our reputation. Yes. I mean, if you have a good reputation and you walk into a room. Um, and you walk in with a level of confidence, uh, people hold you in respect. Um, you know, even if you have a sprained ankle. <laughs> but, uh, yep. but in the United States, we have no reputation anymore. Literally none. We, we, who, in, who in the world would trust us right now? We're the least trustworthy country in the world. We lie about everything. There's nothing we tell the truth about. Fact is, we're worse. Everything we touch, we poison. I challenge somebody to come up and tell me something in the last 20 years that we've touched and something good happened.
1: Well, that's why we're so, we're at our weakest point right now, because we we, we can't be trusted. We are censoring ourselves. We're, we're oppressing people. So we're not unleashing the creativity and the entrepreneurship that we used to have that made us so great. And then we are not, you know, we're being a menace in the world. And so we need to clean this up, but Congress—that's why we're at the weakest point because Congress is so compromised. And so we have to—we have to clean that up for us to have a country. That's why the freedom of speech thing is so important.
0: Oh, look, I'm—I'm I'm on your you, you you know I'm on a death list, right?
1: Yeah, I do know. That's one of the things. I—I I think what's more disturbing to me than anything is the death wish of the children. I think that oh, yeah. puts us yeah. at a whole nother level. We have children on a death wish wish that we fund. We We are funding this thing. I mean, so how low are we? You know, we're funding a death wish. uh, What children is, the girl that I just covered, she was 11 when she was put on. There are kids as young as nine. What the hell is wrong with us where we are targeting on a kill list children? There's there's 327 of them the last time I checked.
0: Yep, we're doing that, but we're also... And again, I'm not minimizing. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, you, you don't. Children are innocent. Leave them out of this fight. Let adults do adult things to adults. If you want to kill me, kill me. But leave the kids out of it. But I'm an American. I'm on that list. It's funded by the U.S. government. That's right. The meetings where they talk about uh, promulgating this list are organized by, um, you know, it, NGOs that work for the Congress of the United States, they're well, they attended- they
1: had the address in uh, Langley, Virginia, by the way, yeah. on that-
0: On that, that list. Site. Yes, go ahead. But, you know, Chuck Schumer's my senator. He voted, he, he ran this thing through. Um, you know, Rand Paul's on the list. We have a sitting U.S. Senator on the list. Tulsi Gabbard, who used to be a congresswoman, is on the list. Diane Sayer, who's running for Senate against Chuck Schumer's on the list. That brings up a whole level of what the hell's going on here. What, Chuck, you're trying to kill your political opposition? Um, you know, Americans are on the list for the crime of free speech. I know. We said something that a foreign government found to be objectionable. Now, if Ukraine wants to put me on a hit list, that's Ukraine's business. But that hit list can't be funded by the by US taxpayer dollars and supported by US government officials.
1: I think because our US government officials are so compromised, it's it hurts them because you're supporting. They really need Ukraine to win because they're covering up for their crimes. Everything,
0: everything yeah.
1: They're covering up all this stuff. So when you support what the, they need people to support the cover-up of their crimes and you're not supporting the cover-up of their crimes, so you need to be censored. That's not, there's, we're, you're acting as an American. They're acting as criminals and we have the criminals who are in charge
0: of the store
1: right now. You yeah, know, the well, asylum is run
0: by the inmates. By the, the inmate. Well, this is why, you know, I'm not gonna pretend that the Communist Party of China is great and wonderful and, and all this stuff. And and yeah. I, I think that every American look, I don't trust anybody. Um, I mean, as an American, I don't trust the Canadians, I don't trust the British, I don't trust the French, I don't trust your, I can be friends with them, but at the end of the day, trust but verify, baby. Um, you say something, I step back, I check it out. Um, But you know who I shouldn't have to do that with? My government. I should just trust my government, but I can't. The biggest enemy to American democracy isn't the Chinese Communist Party. It's the United States government and the way it behaves, suppressing free speech. Um, The government should be open to criticism from every American because that's every American's job. Our job isn't to sit here and nod dumbly at everything the government says. Our job is to go, wait a minute, I got a question on that one because you work for me at the end of the day
1: we keep our country safe by being strong that way i mean and we don't the problem is we don't have people who are intellectually competent or maybe they are as, as criminals i don't know but they sure the heck aren't as running this country in any kind of feasible way and to me that's scary because that's telling me that our it's it's safer right now to support I'm going to say this, it's safer right now to support Putin in a lot of ways than our own criminal government because they're compromised, covering up crimes in Ukraine, willing to let every Ukrainian soldier die, knowing that they're losing the war, they're propagating that they're winning and they're not. And they are talking about nuclear weapons because that might be their only cheap way out because they need more money to fight that they don't have. They don't have the weapons. They might even be able to print the money. Who knows? But they can't come up with the weapons. And so that leaves this nuclear option on the board with a bunch of criminals who are backed against a corner. That's what it freaks me out. And you're saying our military could be strong enough to say, hey, we're not going to do this. But they've been weakened so much by those same criminals on yeah. purpose.
0: Yeah, my – you know, I there's a lot of faith-based um... – Assumptions made by me about the military, Uh, meaning that, you know, because I took an oath and I believe in the oath and I faithfully executed the oath, I make a lot of assumptions that the other commissioned officers in service uh, adhere to the same code of conduct and the same standards. But I have to be careful with that assumption because, you know, Dwight Eisenhower warned us about this in his farewell address, the military industrial. complex when you and i saw it in the military and it's even more prevalent today you watch as uh military officers get promoted and they go up the uh chain um you know you you the best ranks are lieutenant and captain because you're out there doing god's work you're you're on the ground you're with the group you're marines uh you're doing what you know you always wanted to do then you get promoted to major and you become a staff officer that's okay. You're still, you sort of can look over the fence and see the guys, boys and girls out there having fun. Then you make lieutenant colonel and you come back into the command structure usually, and you get to do some of that command stuff. But now you compete for the rank of colonel. Colonel becomes very political because now money is, when you reach the rank of colonel, uh, you, you get in the position where you're, you're starting to, you know, control programs. Programs have money and you have to play the game. And then once you make colonel, you you already have a cut there. You realize that there's only a certain kind of person make colonel. There are very few exceptions. Some real commanders make colonel and stop. Then you got to get that star. And this is where you have to convince Congress that you're willing to play the game. And then once you make one star, then you have to continue to compromise yourself to get the second, the third, the fourth. And by the time you get that third and fourth star, um, you're part of a system that acknowledges because you've watched what happened before you you've seen the guy get his fourth star and then you've seen the policies that he supports and signs off on and then he leaves office only to immediately get a position on a board uh you know that that of a company that he was involved in you know a hundred million dollar contract getting let and you see that the kind of corruption that's taking place there's very few um senior officers that aren't corrupted at this level. It's all about money, um, you know. Unfortunately, we don't have general officers anymore who are willing to retire on general officer retirement. Uh, they all need to jump over into uh, military industry and, and, and get that board assignment because, you know, they were living the, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, jet set lifestyle as generals that they can't sustain on retirement. So they. They're addicted by the power. They're addicted by the money, by the prestige. Um, and it's 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 corrupting. So, and once you're corrupted, I, have to, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just God's sensible truth. Once you're corrupted, once you sell out, you're finished. You can never be trusted again. And what I'm trying to say is that almost everybody who has stars on their shoulder today has been corrupted in one way or another. They've sold out. They've made a compromise. And yet we have to trust them to do the right thing when it comes to you know, nuclear weapons, uh, you know, um,
1: employment. Well, let's just hope there's a line that you might be compromised when it comes to making money and doing wheeling and dealing and all these other things, but hopefully they're wise enough to know that there's a line that you cross when you're risking all of humanity. You know, I, I don't think Biden has that ability. I think just by talking about it nonchalantly and then going on vacation... Uh, showed a really unwise, unsophisticated person. I, I don't think there's any other way to characterize that. And then he's never addressed it since. And then they try to walk it back. I think you know the White House does because they there's other people that realize this is really bad. Oh, they
0: were aghast, aghast. Yeah, they were shocked. I mean, it was like, what the heck is he doing? <laughs> yeah,
1: well, because they were smart enough. Even them are smart enough to go. Wait a minute, this is too far. I mean, well, and then they've had their base they've had showing people on camera going around just freaking out saying this is the most important thing. Why are we not? Why are you talking about all these other programs when we're potentially on the edge of nuclear war? And they're right. They're saying why aren't you addressing this? You're talking about this, but isn't everything trivial compared to this?
0: You 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 you're, 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 you're 100%, you know, but the other thing that that gets me cuz you're you're so right what you just said. Everything else is trivial compared to this. Everything else is trivial. And yet, okay, you and I right now are talking about, you know, the, um, the, 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 the symptoms. You know, because what Biden's doing is a symptom of the disease. The disease is the existence of nuclear weapons. I mean, we wouldn't have to worry about Biden saying stupid things if we were actually focused on the task of getting rid of these weapons. Yes. The, the true insanity is the person that believes we still need these weapons and you know the fact that we are not singularly focused on what i was doing back in the 19 late 1980s early 1990s which is the elimination of nuclear weapons in a controlled process trust but verify not surrendering not making america weaker but actually making america stronger by not creating a six you know the potential for nuclear annihilation we should be focused not on fighting russia in ukraine uh, a conflict that didn't need to happen, by the way, um, but, but on working with Russia and China to create a framework of nuclear arms reduction that would be attractive to India, Pakistan, Israel, uh, North Korea, uh, and anybody else who aspires to have these weapons, to show them that, no, the, the best way forward for global peace and prosperity— isn't continuing to hold the world hostage to nuclear annihilation, but liberating the world. Could you imagine if we didn't have to spend over a trillion dollars over the course of the next 10, 15 years modernizing our nuclear forces, what we could do with that money?
1: Well, there's so much we could do with the money if we actually cared about the people in so many ways. I mean, I could just list it, you know, economically. there's, There's so many ways if we actually cared about the people, we would be so prosperous. Everybody would be doing good. That's what criminals do. They they rot and destroy your country. And we are just up to our eyeballs and criminals. And in order for us to turn this around, we've got to get rid of these guys. So yep. what? how do people support you, learn more about what you're doing? Because I know you're fighting for what's right and for the protection of all of us, really. So how can people learn more about what you're doing and support your work?
0: Well, I mean, I I, I write in a number of uh, venues and I, I do a lot of... Uh, podcasts like this and i try to um consolidate these links uh I, like i said i was on twitter and i used to publish everything on twitter but they banned me um so yeah. i'm on t- telegram now and um that's the best way if you want to if you want to know what i write you know uh, or or if i if you want to see a podcast just go on uh, my telegram uh, i guess they call it a page telegram page well, uh, send Scott, me the you. Link.
1: and i'll share it and i'll put it uh, up i'll send on you the I,
0: i'll send you the link and then um you know, this is the shameless plug that all writers do, No, no. Uh, but, you know, I make a living writing and I, I, I do write for certain outlets that pay me. Um, but you know, I, I've also written books and there's, there's two books that are very relevant to the discussion we just had. One uh, came out last year called a uh, Scorpion King. And it's basically the, the, the history of America's addiction to nuclear weapons from FDR to Trump. Um, and it's it is it's one of the best books I've ever written. It's a comprehensive history. Uh, the people who have read it said it's very readable. But if you want to know about the threat of nuclear weapons and America's role in that, that's the book. It's a go-to textbook um, that 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 a reference book that people could have. And then the the most recent book just came out in September called "Disarmament: The Time of Perestroika, Arms Control in the End of the Soviet Union." It's it's basically a history of the INF Treaty that we discussed today the, and my role in the implementation. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's pulled through the vehicle of my experience, but it's a broader history of arms control and the importance of arms control. And one of the things that makes this book so important is you know, when people talk today about the ongoing situation in Ukraine, uh, I think one of the big questions is, okay, so after the war, then what? How are we ever gonna work with the Russians again? How will they ever work with us? And this book talks about the history of the 1980s, where things were just as bad, in some cases worse. And yet we got this treaty, the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty, arms control, that provided this Camelot moment of clarity amongst the Russians, the Soviets, and the Americans. And we worked together to make the world a safer place. And so I offer this book up as a template of hope uh, to say, hey, look, we did it once. We can do it again. It's not hopeless. Read this book. Empower yourself with knowledge and information and come out in favor of arms control. Arms control makes us stronger as a nation, not weaker.
1: Yes, it does. Okay. One last thing before I go, have you seen the nuclear weapons? Have you been there when they've gone off? And no. what do you think? Go ahead.
0: No, I mean, fortunately for me, we we stopped above the ground testing uh, when, I was, when I was in, and then we stopped underground testing shortly. I, I have been to... Um, the mercury, uh, test sites in, uh, the, what they call the Nevada, uh, test sites. And I've been to mercury and others where the underground, um, um, detonations took place. And when you see, uh, you know, cause it's, it's exploded in a tunnel that's deep underground, but the explosion collapses the earth into this giant crater, a massive crater. And it just gives you a, a, an idea of the scope and scale. And then there's a, another location. It's a famous one. You've seen the, the video most Americans have of, um, the, the explosion going off and you have this town where they had mannequins set up in home yeah and then the homes are blown away and then that, I've been to that site and seen what's left over from that um, you have to be very careful you have to you, you, know, you have to take a radio uh, you know, uh, a radiation detection uh, device um, Geiger counter and you you can only be there for a certain length of time because you're exposed to radiation still to this date but when you when you take a look at what was and what is, uh, and and how far away the nuclear bomb was when it went off, uh, you you realize the destructive power of this stuff. So even though I didn't personally witness the explosion, I've seen the uh, straight up firsthand the um, the the aftermath of it, the results of it, and it's uh, it's terrifying.
1: It's daunting, yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate. It. Send me those links. I'll make sure I get it out to people. And this was a long one, but this was really good. So I really appreciate you spending all this time with me today.
0: Well, thanks for having me on.